You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm sick and tired of doing these depressing Ricos. I'm looking forward to a Rico Bronia where we can rejoice from a series victory, where we can be happy, where we can be giddy, where we can be optimistic. But it's getting very, very difficult because every series that goes by, it feels like it's the same goddamn script. The Mets have split. Ooh, they split. I guess that's a difference in the script. The split of a four-game series with the Washington Nationals. Remember a year ago, the Mets had a West Coast trip in which they went 5-5. Five and five. They got a split of a four-game series against the Dodgers. It was early on in the tenure of the Rico Bronia podcast that we do. And I proclaimed ever so loudly and confidently that was the greatest split in the history of baseball. That was the greatest four-game split I've ever seen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit less than a year later, I'm here to tell you that was the shittiest split in the history of baseball. That's what we got. That's what we got. We got the worst split you could ever find. And it's getting old. It's the same crap. This team has not won back-to-back games since April 20th and April 21st. They have finished their 13-game stretch against bad teams by going 4-9. and 4-9! and nine. I mean, my, if I would have gone back in a time machine to the first week of May as the Mets were embarking on this 13-game stretch, and I had said, yeah, they're going to go 4-9, and nine, you would have punched me in the face. And yet somehow they pulled it off. They cap off this series and this stretch of games with, I think, the game that fits all the check marks of crappiness. The Mets lost to Washington on Monday afternoon. And you know that annoys me. I hate these afternoon games. I hate these freaking weekday afternoon games. I got to sit there with Craig's dumb look as I watch the Mets get smoked. I'm getting so sad. I know that's purely selfish. I admit that. That's a selfish opinion. I am so freaking sick of these weekday. And they got another one this week. They got Thursday against the Black Magic Tampa Bay Rays. Same crap. But anyhow, finale of this series on Monday afternoon, 4 o'clock, because God forbid we start the game at 1 o'clock. Let's push it back. Let's push the inevitable death until 4 o'clock. 
The Mets hit every note from this crappy season. Note number one, suck in the first inning. Beautiful. No problem. We got you. Patrick Corbin will have an easy first inning. And then the immortal David Peterson, who I, I, I can't watch him anymore. I cannot physically watch this man throw a baseball anymore. David Peterson, I'm going to give up a run right out the gate. No problem. one nothing Nationals. So, if you're playing Mets crappy bingo at home, bingo number one, the Mets can't score in the first inning, and they give up a run in the first inning. Check. All right, let's go to the second. Would you like a rally ending with the bases loaded and two outs? Would you like that? Would you like? Mets are going to come back and tie the game, so they're going to make you feel good. They're going to give you that. Jeff McNeil's going to come through with a nice RBI single. But would you like a rally to end with the bases loaded? We got you, but let me let me one-up you for a second. We're not just going to end this rally with the bases loaded. We're going to end it with someone getting picked off. And in this case, not that I want to rip Francisco Alvarez because I think he's done a lot of good things, especially over the last few weeks. But you cannot, you cannot, with the bases loaded and two outs, have your head so far up your ass that you get picked off at first base. And by the way, it ain't just on Francisco Alvarez. Wayne Kirby over there, what are you doing? Like, what are you sightseeing over there? Like, what are you checking out the Capitol Dome, you know, a couple of miles away? To have an inning in which you're set up with bases loaded two out, and who knows what Brandon Nimmo does. He may strike out, he may pop up, he may ground out. The odds are he will, but he also may have doubled up the alley. I have no idea. To have an inning ending like that with a pickoff, ugh. And then you had the crappy starting pitching. That That's always a part of the bingo formula for the 2023 New York Mets. David Peterson continues to have no idea where he's throwing a baseball. And Buck Showalter had a comment after the game. He said, there's control, and then there's bad control. Because there are times in which you'll throw a strike, but it's not a good strike. David Peterson does nothing good right now. And I think what's so frustrating about this is that he didn't need to start this game. The Mets didn't need to start David Peterson on Monday afternoon against the Washington Nationals. But they wanted to give Justin Verlander an extra day. Subsequently, they wanted to give Kodai Senga an extra day. And so we were subjugated to watching the eighth start of the year from David Peterson. And I know no one will ever remember what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's good for my own mental health. I never want to break down spring training stats ever again. David Peterson had a good spring training. Do you remember that? David Peterson had a good spring training. Wipe your ass with his good spring training. You know, Tomas Nito hit 350 in spring training. I mean, these spring trainings, they mean nothing. The only thing that matters in spring training is not tearing your goddamn leg when you're celebrating a win of the World Baseball Classic. It's the only thing that matters. Oh, yeah, yeah. So David Peterson, I, I mean, look, the Mets may have to start him again because God knows Max Scherzer may end up on the IL again or Verlander may end up on the IL again. But with Carlos Carrasco coming back and with Tyler McGill clearly being better than David Peterson, even Joey Lucchese, not that he's great shakes, is better than David Peterson. The Mets have a rotation now. They have a rotation. Assuming there isn't an injury in the next couple of days, they have Max Scherzer, they have Justin Verlander, 
They have Kodai Senga. They have Tyler McGill. They have Carlos Carrasco. That's five starting pitchers. Enough. I know earlier in the season we talked about a six-man rotation, and earlier in the season we talked about squeezing a sixth guy in to give everybody an extra day. That's done. That's over with now. It's over because David Peterson blows. That's number one. And it's over because Max Scherzer never pitches. So he can pitch now. Justin Verlander's made two starts. He can pitch now. And Kodai Senga, Kodai, you're just going to have to pitch on regular rest. I'm sorry, bro. I apologize. If David Peterson wasn't the biggest piece of, I feel bad. He's a human. If he didn't pitch horribly every time he was on the rubber, Maybe we'd have a different discussion, but we're not having that discussion because he stinks and I can't watch him anymore. And I can't imagine how Buck will watch him anymore. And Buck Showalter is asked a question after the Peterson game on Monday. And he's like, the the reporter, I forget the reporter. I apologize. Says, I know the pitch count was low. Ever think about taking him out a little bit earlier. And Buck looks in that camera and he looks at the reporter and says, and go to who? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (laughs) And he's right. Like, who the hell do you want to go to? Steven Nagosik, who threw a million pitches on Sunday in the second half of the suspended game. Dominic Leone, who gave up a home run to C.J. Abrams. Want to go to him? Zach Muckenhern was only here for 30 seconds. He's gone again. Want to go to Dennis Santana? Oh, wait, you can't. He was here for 30 seconds, and then they DFA'd that poor guy's soul. Or do you want to go to Tommy Hunter? You saw Tommy Hunter on Monday. Nobody ever wants to go to Tommy Hunter. So it goes back to the issue we've talked about. If you've got to go to your bullpen in the fourth or fifth inning and you're already losing 4-1 to one or 5-1, to one, who do you think you're going to? You're not going to much. But that's not the only problem with Monday's game. The other problem with Monday's game is they're not hitting consistently. And I'm not going to waste anybody's time talking about my confidence that the lineup will figure it out. I've given my opinion on that. Hopefully at some point I'm proven right. I've just got to respond to the reality. And the reality is this. In three of the four games against the Washington Nationals, a team with a team ERA of right around four and a half, the Mets did not score enough runs. That's it. They didn't score enough runs. They're not scoring enough runs, period. And that's the problem. And they're not exactly facing, you know, the the, the Braves of the late 90s here. You're facing the Washington Nationals, and they didn't even face one of their best pitchers, Josiah Gray. They didn't even face him. But look what they did in this series. Three runs, two runs, eight runs, which was great, and then back to three runs. Three and two runs is not going to be enough. So it's not a surprise that you went one and two in those games. So this finale against the Nationals, was it was everything that sucks about the Mets right now. It was a little bit of the rotation, which was terrible. It was a little bit of the dumb base running, which at times has been bad. 
It was a lot of the bad offense, which did nothing against Patrick Corbin over six innings. Pretty good audition for uh, any Met fan who says, yeah, pay the guy $35 million next year. Who cares? Not my money. And then they threw in the horrible defense when Brandon Nimmo and Starling Marte couldn't decide who was going to catch a fly ball. And I think it was the eighth inning of the game. Game was out of reach, but still. It was everything. It was the bingo card of bad in losing the finale. And it was a big swing game because you win this game on Monday afternoon. You win a series against the Nationals. And I think my tone is very different. I think the tone of Met fans would be very different because we would be saying, hey, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. I still have some issues. But hey, the Mets won three out of four. We can't even say that. Again, the Mets have not won a series since the Dodger series in late April. They have not won back-to-back games since the first two games of the San Francisco series on that same West Coast trip. Other than the three against Atlanta, they have played nothing but mediocre teams, and they have responded by being awful. If you want to include the losing of two out of three to Washington in the stretch of playing bad teams, that's 5-11. 5 and 11. Five and 11. They're just playing really, really bad baseball. And I don't know if you're doing the same thing, Pete, but I watch every game thinking, hey, maybe this is the game that turns it around. Maybe this is the game that sparks the winning streak. Maybe this is the comeback or when they don't come back, maybe this is just the the offensive breakout that sparks thing. And it just doesn't happen because they haven't been able to win back-to-back games in a month. But I sit there every game kind of hoping or explaining to myself, this is when everything turns around and it never does. Yeah, no, I'm not that optimistic. I, I sit there and watch. First of all, like even if the Mets won today, which they never had a chance, I, I wouldn't have sat here and be like, okay, this is going to turn the season around or this is going to sport, you know, sport them a little bit. It's the Nationals. They should beat them, and they're not even coming close. And it, it, you look at yesterday's game, uh, game two, where they score eight runs Thank God that Mackenzie Gore threw a thousand pitches in the first inning. Otherwise, I mean, who knows what would have happened? Uh, my, the point is, though, is that this team is just not clicking at all. And maybe the positive, Ev, you want to take a positive here? Last year, they were so bad at the end of the season. They were so they were pressing and they were losing to these same bad teams just later in the season. Well, maybe they're getting it out of yeah. the way. Maybe they're losing now, getting it out of the way, and the, they're going to the go one on a tear. Positive, I have because you can <laughs> find positives, like you said. I mean, that's that's a stretch of a positive. Yeah, just get the crap out of the way early, which hopefully is the case. I see, and I know I may eat these words real soon if another guy gets hurt, and it's always on the table. It finally looks like the Mets have a rotation that can at least stay in that five man order a couple of turns around, and I'm hopeful that. Justin Verlander every five days, Max every five days, who showed a lot, and we'll get to his performance coming up in a little bit. Carrasco back, hopefully healthy. McGill has been, as I said last time, like a fine back-of-the-rotation guy, and maybe he fits that if this rotation is pitching every five days. And some consistency to Senga, that if this is a rotation that could just pitch, just go out there and pitch that the results have to be far better than what we've watched over the first month and a half of the season. And we're seeing signs that it can be. Justin Verlander looked good in his second start. He's going to make his city field debut on Tuesday night against Tampa. 